0: Hey listeners, welcome back to Landline. A lot of new people tuning in, so let's just go over some of the basics. Call the Landline, 503 894 and leave a message.
1: The Landline only works if you answer the phone. Um, I have uh, some hot topics for you. I'll try it on another line. Love you. Bye.
0: Don't just make this an iPhone thing between you, your pocket, and your wireless earbuds, you effing losers. Number two, if this is your first or second or third show, all the shows of varying success are available wherever you're listening now iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the whole rigmarole. So check those out. You know, geek out on, as some new listeners do, just listen like 14 hours in a row.
1: Again, it only works if you answer the phone
0: Um, Other than that, humor, comedy, insight, anti-technology, social media sucks That's what you're getting on Landline So let's listen New episode, new guest Here we go
1: Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm a professional voiceover artist that Alex could never have actually gotten, unless I was his friend from 10 years ago. Test? Alex?
0: Sean? Sorry, I'm... How's
1: this, uh...
0: How's this go? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah. Okay. I'm getting another call.
0: Oh, perp, take it. Wait, trip, triple us. Who is it?
1: Oh, fuck, it's me.
0: Wow. All right. That was me on the other line.
1: Yeah, I got it. I just hit merge call.
0: I feel like maybe my iPhone doesn't want to get taken over by my landline and it automatically dialed like it's listening to me.
1: I mean, that makes perfect sense to me.
0: Um, Sorry, I was late. I was um, I was crashing a, a wedding present wine glass on a white carpet full of red wine for the last glass of wine in the house it was a poetic and to the alcohol supply in the house i think somebody else oh, was wow. telling me something so
1: well i'm cresting into a organic raw kombucha right now
0: oh my god so they have they have raw, they have organic kombucha in alaska that's the way you guys play these days
1: yeah i mean it comes from portland obviously perfect
0: well, I just want to introduce you. So, Landline listeners, thanks so much for listening. As always, call Landline 503-894-8480. It's the Virgin Voyage, the Maiden Voyage. We're christening a new guest tonight. I'm going to call him, I, I christen the Sean the Airborne Meteorologist. How do you feel about that?
1: Interesting. Interesting.
0: I feel like it's got a, it's, it's a catchy, it's a catchy tune. Um, I
1: have been airborne today, and I'm watching it cloud up right now, so that, I mean, you're spot on, buddy.
0: So, before we even tell everyone who you are and what you're doing and why we're having you, how many vertical feet did you ski today?
1: Today, I skied exactly 16.2 vertical.
0: <laughs> That's it. Like 16.2, 16.2.
1: That is correct
0: because you were just and where was that? Where does one ski 16.2 vertical feet in a day?
1: Uh I was in an area called Skywalker. I was in an area okay. called North Bench. But all basically on the Kenai Peninsula, right here in sunny Alaska.
0: So wait, 16.2, did you like get on helicopters and then get back on them at the top? Like what do you I don't understand. Fill us in here.
1: Yeah, I mean, so I went heli skiing,
0: but sixteen and we did sixteen point two vertical feet. Like that's only like three of you. That's like three six foot men.
1: Oh, sorry, I'm talking about sixteen thousand two hundred feet. Jesus.
0: Okay, so that's like that's like two. How tall is that? I mean, like, what is there? You you know, what's a sixteen thousand? 000...
1: That's a very that's a very average day, I would say, of what I ski.
0: How high is Mount? Uh how high is Mount Kilimanjaro? Oh
1: God, I should know that, but I don't
0: How high is uh how high is Denali, which you've summited multiple times? twenty thousand
1: three hundred and twenty feet
0: so you've almost skied the entire you skied two thirds of Mount McKinley, as the white supremacists call it, I guess. All right, well, Sean is our meteorologist guest. We needed a weatherman on landline, so let's cut to the chase here. Sean is a seasoned helicopter ski guide. He's a mountain guide. He lives in the beautiful resort town of Girdwood, Alaska, about an hour and 15-minute drive south from Anchorage along the Pacific Ocean, uh, specifically the Turnigan Turnigan Arm. No, what what is that fjord called? Is it the Turnigan Arm? Yeah, you got it. All yeah, right. we
1: just call them arms up in Alaska. So it's basically a fjord.
0: So he lives along a, a. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's got it's filled by glacial deposit, you know, so it's salt water, it's brackish, but it gets a lot of fresh water from the glaciers. And it comes to an end at a river's head. It's pretty. That, it's, my friend, is basically a fjord.
0: Yeah, it's a it's pretty bu- bucolic situation. I've been I've been skiing with him, I've been helicopter skiing with him. Um and he One of the
1: one of my early experiences too.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh probably the actually the scariest, let's start there, the scariest I've ever been. Or the scaredest, the most scared I've ever been. Um I'm so No, I'm, you were
1: the scariest you've ever been. <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> So we didn't, uh, like, you think helicopter skiing, everyone gets, like, uh and that, look, we're not going to go into, like, the danger zone. I just wasn't prepared for how high above the ocean we would be that day with our skis on. So it's really fun and totally safe. Um, we just went a little early. So when you go helicopter skiing, everything looks very snowy and powdery from, you know, 15 miles away or wherever it is when you're looking up at a peak. And we literally just picked the peak we were going to ski. and sort of commandeered a local pilot to take us with a group of 4 and um we got up to the spot insanely beautiful amazing helicopter ride everything you could ever imagine you know adrenaline pumping it was awesome but
1: don't forget that don't forget that we walked out my front door
0: yeah, we walked to... The...
1: that we I was adamant that we walked from the front door to the Girdwood Airport. That's right.
0: We didn't well, we didn't want to burn too much carbon that day, or we didn't want to put too much carbon into the atmosphere. So we figured we would walk. It was either going to be carpool or walking. It was one or the other. So we just we chose to walk. We, we walked. So we walked to the helicopter spot um, to the airport to the Girdwood Airport. Hired the man right there with cash and I think it was <laughs> it was like ninety dollars a person. It was insanely cheap. Um yeah. and got taken to the top of this incredible mountain and and the only I mean, the mistake you made as our de facto guide, and I, I don't want to be critical, but it was it was basically boilerplate. It was I mean, for people who aren't ski heads, this incredibly steep, amazing chute that we were gonna ski and all of us are talented skiers, at least talented enough to get down. Um, and it would have been totally fine. It would—the steepness isn't the issue when you have good skiers. It's—it's it's the condition of the snow. And we were there. We were so amped. We had had so much sploffy that morning that we we like were so amped to get up there that we the snow hadn't gotten warm enough to be carvable. So we had to we. <laughs> That sound is exactly how the entire adventure went at that moment. But for for everyone who like, you know, has never skied before, you know you go from like a pizza wedge to French fries. And that was actually the extent of, of the quality of skiing I did on that on that uh rid yeah, or on that couloir. A of,
1: there's a lot of side slipping, a lot of near butt feeky injuries
0: so i we literally just went down sideways until my left my left leg was so tired that i had to switch and i did a jump turn and went down on the other leg but we, <laughs> we had a ball i mean below that very steep part it was incredible skiing the rest of the day and we had an awesome time so um we were
1: just like three hours too early
0: but we had a, we had fun. I mean, the helicopter ride alone. But now you're in helicopters all the time. So, like, what is that like? What is it like to wake up and go to work in a helicopter? Is do just? And I guess the reason I ask, and then I'll shut up and let you speak here, is because it seems like there are millions of not millions. There are many things that people are always looking to other people and being like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that guy has that job. Like that would never get old. Like, does it get old or?" What does it feel like to take off in a helicopter? You know, most mornings between February fifteenth and, and May first.
1: Well, I should point out that that uh, that run we did on A one was, I think, the first time I ever formally went heli skiing. Oh my
0: god, you're such a dick! Just,
1: I'm. Just to be clear, I really do think it was because it was something that like Nappy and I had planned, you know, and it was. We had been skiing here, you know, on that trip, and it made sense. We were just too early. It was
0: great. I mean, come on. I have no—I hope you don't no, I know. F- feel guilty. Like, no, I have no—I just no, was no, happy I, no, I lived, you know?
1: No, I know. I'm just—you're not letting the joke land. Okay. Because I make that mistake all the time now professionally. <laughs> Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, and also,
0: I mean, a little insight into you as a character and hopefully you become a reoccurring character as far as I'm concerned if you're willing to do it, but you you never for once told any of us that or let on that that was the first time. You just, like, you just like charged forward like you knew exactly what you were doing or I wanted you to know what you were doing and that was good enough for me. So it, it kind of worked well. I assumed you knew exactly what you were doing.
1: Yeah, I mean... That that whole thing was definitely, I was confident that it was going to be fun. But anyway, I mean, it was fun. So I was right.
0: Um, so what does it feel like to get in a helicopter
1: every morning? It's pretty exciting. You know, there's a certain level of seriousness that happens when you um, sort of walk into a small airport hangar and get your poop in a group and yeah. then walk into a helicopter. You know, there's a, there's a moment for sure.
0: Yep. And and is it? But you know, like how many rides? You... Leaving
1: the ground, right? I'm about to leave the ground, right? In this like very small machine driven by a redneck <laughs> who I trust with my life routinely.
0: Yeah, and who probably is great at what he does.
1: Yeah, oh yeah. So, but uh, I don't know. It's really fun, man. You know, they're exciting machines, and I enjoy flying in them. I definitely get uh bored in slow moving aircraft now, not to sound too bratty, yeah, thats but now when I like flying smalling fixed wings to like I just did this beaver flight out to the toillas uh to go work out there recently last week. I was just like in the airplane, still beautiful and all that, but just like, uh, is this thing over yet? I'm almost through this whole episode of landline <laughs> right
0: and and it's and it's awful and and it, it, what's worse is taking the taking my headphones off and listening to the vibrating can around me for the next hour and a half exactly. so it's like a lose lose um, here i was listening to a um podcast actually i was listening to bill simmons talk to al pacino the other day on a 737 or no it was, it was actually it was, it was a propeller it was a fixed wing double propeller plane it was a bombardier q400 and one of my head, one of my like white Apple iPhone headphones was broken, and I was like plugging my ears with both earbuds the entire time. It was so jank. I just felt like felt like such a dork the whole time while people are trying to talk to me. The stewardess. Anyway, um, anyway, terrible story. So, um, so like when you um, go sixteen thousand feet today, sixteen thousand vertical feet. How many rides is that? How many times are you going up in the in the in the helicopter? There.
1: Today it was seven runs
0: and total. So, And, you know, getting everyone in line to, to mount the helicopter, so to speak, is that, you know, these are clients, they're paying you a lot of money, and they want to have good skiing. Yeah, so,
1: so what I did today, so my job was I was the lead guide, which means that I'm essentially responsible for all the operations in that machine. And we had three groups today, one of which was guided by Caitlin, the lovely Caitlin. Nice. and
0: uh, The femme meteorologist.
1: A, a, re, a retired uh, paratrooper who we just found out that a gay ski club he skied with last week has nicknamed him Sergeant Ginger, which immediately made me think of someone else.
0: Yeah, Max, I, of, of landline <laughs> guests, uh, the most popular landline guests. So we, we can call, call him we, as we see it. He's listening to this show in the parking lot at Sheets right now.
1: Well, uh, so, yeah, so we went skiing, right? So we basically what happened was I got in the helicopter in Girdwood, and then um, Sergeant Ginger, not Max, drove the fuel uh, fuel truck tender down. It drove a van full of clients to meet um, another remote fuel truck that we had set up on the other side of Turning and Path where we were ski touring that once upon a time. Yep. And uh, then we flew. I flew from Girdwood over the Turnigan Arm and Seattle Creek and Turnigan Pass and landed near Bench Peak on the east side of it and uh, skied some kind of pizza box, crusty glacial recrystallized PAL for about 2,400 feet. And, and then,
0: and that was a miss, also, or was that was that like, oh shit, this is not what I thought I was going to be like those conditions. The pizza box, I don't know if the landline listenership knows oh, pizza box, but a, you
1: out a boilerplate; they're going to have to keep up. Yeah,
0: know? that's, true. that's Let's true. just say we
1: were. I was hoping to ski some corn today, and that didn't happen for me. Gotcha. <laughs> but so basically, um, I skied the first run, and in that time, the helicopter leaves and picks up the second group and flies them to my location they ski a run down to the same pickup and then we send the helicopter away it takes on fuel and then caitlin gets in because her group is the lightest so the helicopter can take on the most fuel and then the helicopter drops her off on the run i get in and we ski another run and then we sort of just act in that order so to speak for the day
0: wow and what are you've told me some interesting tidbits about you know the the constraints of the helicopter the expense is one the amount of fuel which you just mentioned so how long can a helicopter fly before it needs more gas i mean you know i think people probably assume half a day but that's just not the case
1: so uh, it depends on the yeah it depends on a lot there isn't like a You just watch, I mean, you basically just watch the fuel. Gotcha. But it's, uh, you know, some things require more power and all sorts of stuff.
0: And and it's some degree of thousands of dollars a minute to run the helicopter. I mean, you do a lot of planning around making sure that the business of helicopter skiing remains somewhat profitable for the operator. So, like, what is your major financial concern when you're getting into the bird, if we're going to get really, like, techie here?
1: Well, I guess, I mean, that's definitely a part of my job, but I've actually, the more I've done it, come away from worrying too much about it and tried to focus more on the uh, sort of quality overall of the operation, meaning that I understand what's expensive and what's not, but sometimes you just got to fly farther or whatever, you know, and hopefully it shakes out, but yeah, helicopters are expensive.
2: There's no doubt
1: about it. I mean, they—they all the moving pieces require some like educated hands and some part made in France and all sorts of bullshit. Right. I don't even know about.
0: Well, let me just tell you a quick story about the only major helicopter experience I had this year. So now that I'm back back here in the urban center of Portland where it mostly rains in the winter. I mean, it's been a beautiful winter, but, you know, mostly the precipitation is rain. And last year was a big snow winter for them, not this winter that just ended, but the one before. And, you know, it became a complete shitstorm. We grew up in a place where the plows are like Mercedes Benz and it can snow three feet and school doesn't get canceled because... The property taxes are high enough that the town has incredible snow removal. So anything below what we grew up in is just considered like total bullshit in the eyes of at least me and I assume you as well. So Oregon's, you know, genius plan is everyone just buys studded tires. That's their snow plan is to ha- have like a bunch of people invest in their own equipment to deal with the snow. So that's fine. So it didn't snow a lot this year. So we didn't really have to deal with all of that, but we did have one three inch snowstorm that covered the entire city in this beautiful fluffy white snow and st- school was canceled and you know the snow was we have a park right in front of our house and the and the people the snow was sledded off before daybreak because people were so excited that they came out at night with you know with their kids and their sleds and their ski bunny suits and all that stuff so i'm, I'm walking
1: <laughs> the snow up here too
0: I'm walking the dog in the neighborhood on that morning and it's so peaceful and all the trees have that beautiful white, you know, that before the sun really like has an impact on the snow and it's cold enough so that everything is just white. and has that really unique experience and it gets quieter, right? Like the, the, the snow is a dampening agent for, you know, for audio somehow. So the whole thing is just like this quiet bucolic setting of you know it's very new england in my mind so
1: <laughs> obviously you said bucolic like, right it's not, it's,
0: now that's not bucaki that's bucolic look it up <laughs> so um so actually look them both up don't blame me so um anyways i turn the corner and along
1: it's done both in both places
0: <laughs> so so I'm above the, like, major train yard on Swan Island, and I can see the entire Northwest Hills and the Willamette River, and I'm or on the ridge, and the dog's happy, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, I just hear this helicopter that's just stationary over the opposite side of the river, just standing there, and it's just sitting there. And I keep walking and walking and it just starts irritating me so much and it's not moving and it's just, you know, making that chopper sound. And and clearly what's going on over there is a couple of yuppies have like run into each other on their steep Portland Hill, getting to their Victorian home and News Channel 8, which we just found out today is like completely politically partisan because it's owned by Sinclair Broadcasting Group or whatever. Those assholes are burning $4,500 a minute showing an aerial shot of, you know, a Tahoe running into the new Subaru SUV and making news at 530 the M because they have this like crazy school canceled storm team storm coverage in eight different places around the city. And I, ju- I just thought to myself, and this woman came out and was taking a photo with her with her flip phone. By the way, I've never seen someone take a photo with their flip phone in the two thousands. Like, what is that about? Like, that's like so. And I'll shut up soon because I want this to be a conversation. I've just been saving this story for you, so I'm like getting really amped up about it now. But it's like one thing to have everyone on your block taking iPhone photos of the snowstorm that happens once a winter, but to have it on a flip phone, like that landland land can't even wrap its head around that. So I just turned to the lady and I was like, "Man, that helicopter is really harshing my mellow." And she said, y- "Yeah." And I just realized like there's n- not many things in the world... ...that can be so fun for one person and so awful for everybody else. But I feel like a jet ski... That's pretty
2: much
1: what I'm into. ...a
0: snowmobile, a jet ski, and a helicopter were the first three that I came up with. So um, that's kind of my take on helicopters. They can really ruin a, a city's only snowstorm. Um, and, and how is that, I guess, what I want to ask you... ...because I have to ask you something, otherwise we've got nothing how is that TV station paying for that helicopter? Like, you actually have a unique perspective on... I know you're not the math guy. You've never been the math guy. But, like, how is that possible? How do they have a traffic report helicopter in a city like Portland? How do they have three of them? I don't understand it.
1: I have no idea, but perhaps the Sinclair Foundation was hoping whatever they were filming was an immigrant family doing something illegal. <laughs> Right, but and they just they're just willing to pay. You just keep that baby in the air. We'll get him or convince someone to turn him in, and then we'll pick him up with helicopters.
0: And and you know, like okay, so we know everyone in L.A. like has you know the O.J. chase is just sort of representative of a lifetime of police chases that you know work on those channels. But shouldn't that be the only city in the world where like TV news helicopters actually can pay for themselves because? It's here. It is. We've got we have Google Maps on our phone. Nobody watches the local news. Like this is perplexing to me. I don't understand how local news has helicopters.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps the oil industry somehow created a deal where all the news outlets got helicopters
2: for cheaper.
0: Do you feel like any of the guys you fly with have ever done that job? Like, do you do you ever hear, like, war stories from, like, working the OJ case or anything like that?
1: <laughs> no, most of the guys that I fly with are, I mean, they fly around a lot. They, could pro- they probably could tell you why, exactly. But, I mean, there are people that, like, fly around propane tanks and move, like, large pieces of metal all summer or, like, drop buckets of water on California yeah turns, you know, like helicopters are used for a lot. I'm not sure why the like doors open traffic guy gets to <laughs> gets to use one. But all
0: right, well, if they, if like, any I helicopter like any helicopter pilots out there, call the landline 503-894-8480, and we'll chat about it.
1: Landline. Landline, hello. It's me, Fiona Ritchie from the Surf and Shamrock. Loving the show with Jeff, the thousandaire, enjoying a ponderance of what a day in the life of Jeff Bezos' robotic dog must be like. Just calling in to let you know I plan on embarking on your challenge tomorrow, Saturday, the 31st of March. We'll call in with details of how it all went down. Love the show, Landline. Keep up. End of message to Erase the message saved landline well
0: sean one of the reasons we're having you on as the airborne meteorologist is to just talk about the state of global warming i always thought you had a really interesting and unique perspective on it you have degrees in snow science you have a master's in snow science what do you No,
1: i don't have a master's no actually it's a bachelor's of arts in outdoor studies okay
0: the, it's the and I, and B- it, B-A-O-S, the BOWS.
1: Uh, and a uh, a associate in outdoor recreation leadership as All right. well. All right. So a lot of accolades.
0: But you do know a lot about it, snow science. I mean, you've been to conferences. You've made major presentations. I mean, you yeah, know how to dig an I know, avalanche. I just
1: to be clear. You know, I don't want to yeah. misrepresent myself.
0: That's fair. Um so you live in a in the coldest state, probably. Well, I don't know if that's even true, but you live in the frontier. You you, you
1: yourself I'm a unique. I'm in a unique position of someone who loves snow and is watching it either not arrive or arrive in lower totals than even when we went to go heli ski ten years ago.
0: So is that, like, a real thing? Like, what's your 10-year, you know, synopsis of of living in Alaska? Like, are you seeing the weather change and you watch the weather a lot? Tell us what you think about the weather. A
1: common term around here is, like, well, you know, on a normal winter, you could, whatever, go there or see this. And it's just something that's a reference point, but we're not seeing any normal not necessarily patterns, like I can't speak as a real scientist, but you know snow's falling differently at higher elevations, storm tracks have changed. There's a lot of sort of kitchen science indicating some cosmic wobbles
0: and is this war- are warming ocean temperatures the deciding factor behind that stuff?
1: Well, specifically in this area, it's that blob that's like out in the North Pacific, just this huge mass of warm water. And so on a normal year, the storm track would be like what uh, comes directly from the south right up into the Gulf of Alaska and then gets dragged all over the Chugach where I live and just would dump huge amounts of snow. But what started happening as temperatures have changed for, but just by a few degrees is we get a lot more rain at sea level. And that sucks when you're a skier <laughs> at shoe level.
0: And it is a weird thing about Girdwood—not that I've spent a ton of time there, but you know, you, you, or I guess it's more of a West Coast thing that I didn't realize until I moved out to Oregon the first time of the five times I've moved or whatever—is just because you live in a ski town doesn't mean that it snows in
1: town <laughs> every year. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it, it's always snowing like the mountain, you know, the 10,000 foot volcanoes that you're skiing on like Mount bachelor or Mount hood or the, or, you know, Alieska, like they're going to get snow because it's just an altitude game, right? Like they're just high enough up in the air and there's enough moisture coming off of the ocean yeah, to it's, create snow. I but mean,
1: it's, it's funny as like, uh, you know, being really into snow, we talk about it in all sorts of crazy different ways in terms of its, like, lightness or surface texture. Like, today I was literally saying on the radio, talking about grandma skin and <laughs> railer crust, all sorts of things, like, details to it. And, and yeah, go in go that ahead. mentality, those rainy years... So this year, just to be clear, is we have snow in town, and it's been colder, but it just hasn't snowed that much, which has posed its own set of circumstances for ski guiding but just in terms of how people talk about it now folks are like man remember a couple of years ago when it was yeah the rainy year we had so much snow up high like that was, that was sick right <laughs> and, and it's uh you know i'm a sarcastic dick but it's like <laughs>
0: well there's man. there's no more you nobody's like the Frau line isn't bringing you hot chocolate with schnapps and dragging you around on a horse-drawn sleigh in ski towns anymore it's just not yeah. like where can you go if you go to the alps if you go like let's just put ourselves in the in the shoes of your clients where they are bankers in charlotte and they can fly through o'hare or jfk anywhere in the world and it's not a big deal and we're trying to get the quintessential, st- forget about helicopter skiing, because I know that you guys are servicing probably the best in the world in that place. Where do you go for the, like, I'm trying to think of the, the Hans Christian Andersen snow village? Where does that exist in the world?
1: I don't know. Austria, maybe? Yep. I'm just thinking Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> Pretty sure he's an Austrian. Well, like, can't you probably back... Real, probably a really good skier.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can't you like backcountry ski Between all those huts in, in the French Alps
1: Oh yeah I mean you can But those glaciers have melted so much Over the last like 60 years That it's almost become like a mountaineering seat To get to some of them
0: Gotcha So even in those And
1: Alaska has a similar thing going on A lot of access has changed From not all the backcountry huts But there's a lot of weird crevasses That I don't know it's not like people really anticipate it that much when they build a hut, but there are definitely weird crevasses that are, to me, indicators of a warming glacier or low snow or something of that line.
0: So I always, I mean, I think of, um, sometimes when I listen to Adam Corolla he'll talk about Seth McFarlane, the family guy, creators Christmas party that he throws and he's from Boston or Rhode Island or wherever. And he'll, and is like, hollywood mansion he'll like just blow in like a shitload of fake snow for the party and have everyone dressed up and i i feel like that's to me that's sort of like the most depressing situation on earth is phony snow but i guess that's the way it it happens in miami and in houston and la and always has but it does not to like get all depressive on a monday night where you know we're old friends chatting but like the the sort of the festive no 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 mirage meteorologi, meteor meteorological still don't have it event like gets festive more than snow there's no other you know snow gets more people to say festive in the world than anything else and i i don't see that like what's our long term outlook with that do we i mean do you like? What is your? Do you ever say to yourself like, these assholes don't know what they're talking about, and it's not global warming?
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't really believe anyone, anyone's theories, because <laughs> I'm pretty clear to me at this point that most people don't know anything. You know, what I'm saying like, there there are cert- some certainties in the world, but so yeah, that's all I'm saying is I, I do i don't I'm not saying my ten years of actually being somewhat cognizant of the weather around me indicates anything more than anyone else's whatever
0: so you're a Scott and Pruitt
1: guy. just like interpretation,
0: yeah. Well, how about the irony of, like, people flying to Anchorage to get on a helicopter to, like, search for snow, and that very act is what's, like, burning it up, apparently.
1: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's not lost on us. There's also a mentality that I have right now that I'm going to do it because I can. Right. So, you know, it's always taken a certain amount of selfishness for me to be me, Alec. Well,
0: yeah, well, that's okay. I mean, I think that maybe more people should be more selfish. Some some people might need to be less, but I wish I could be more guilt-free in taking the spoils that are in front of me um, because they're there for me, right? I mean, and in a way, like, communing with nature through skiing, even if there is that fucking chopper sound in the background, um, <laughs> remains... I do,
1: I do actually have a point point out how quiet it is once the helicopter leaves to most folks especially if they look like scared or something they're like it's okay take a breath breathe the fresh mountain air the helicopter is gone ah right (laughs) so funny (laughs) maybe a little back touch a little back rub like hey it's okay
0: cliff bar anyone anyone fruit roll up um. All right. So it's been like an okay ski season. It's just been a run of the mill ski season, and and but it,
1: yeah, and it, it's especially uh, rough right now. But it's spring, and so we're just like looking for some corn skiing and hoping it'll happen, but it hasn't quite happened. It, supposedly it's gonna snow though, so it's been a really good year. I personally have had a very good ski season. I got to do all sorts of wild shit, like watch very very talented athletes just huck their meat on film and, like, film it with helicopters and orchestrate all that shit. And it was pretty impressive, pretty fun to do.
0: That's so fun. And and what is it... How does that sort of universe, which is could be in New Zealand or Chile or the Alps or whatever, I mean, there's definitely a community there of people who know what that gig is like and are part of a certain market demographic. How does that then get together with like alaska let's talk about alaska like what what is going on in alaska not in a bad way but you know it's a lot of
1: heli skiing man yeah a lot of heli skiing there's a lot more happening around here even
0: but it's also like a bunch of oil drillers and fishermen and i remember the first time i came and saw you and you fly forever especially from the east coast to get there and you might as well be in japan you're so far away and you know you get out of the airport and you've been drinking IPAs on the plane or whatever and you're finally there and you're so excited and like the first gas station we pulled into is like a jacked up Chevy Silverado with like monster truck tires and a huge Confederate flag on a plastic piece of PVC like flapping in the wind and you're like all right we're still in America it turns out so like wh- how where are you guys in sort of the larger not pecking order but does everyone get along with each other like the do the hunters not give a shit about the helicopter skiers? Like, is are there town and gown stresses, or is everyone just having a good time?
1: I mean, for the most part, everyone's just having a good time. There's definitely uh, just a vibe about most of even those, like, alt-right, uh, you know, monster truck sticker guys, they're all kind of like, hey, what are you doing here? Sick, putting gas in your Subaru? Shaka. Right. There's just a certain thing about, like, we're all here. We all made it or whatever. But for the most part, I mean, there's a lot of dumb fucks running around, too. Don't get me wrong. Landline. Thank you for calling the National Weather Service in Portland. Visit us on the Internet at weather.gov. Please listen carefully to the following menu options. Once you become familiar with your selections, you can key ahead to hear your favorite products. If you've called for a forecast, climatology, or for current conditions, press 1. To hear forecast, climate information, or current conditions, for Portland and vicinity, press 1. To hear recent conditions at the Portland airport, press 1. For the forecast, press 2. For the climate statistics, press 3.
2: Forecast for the Greater Portland and Vancouver metro area tonight cloudy. A chance of rain in the evening, then rain likely after midnight. Lows around 40. South wind 5 to 10 miles an hour. Chance of rain 70%. Rainfall amounts around a tenth of an inch. Wednesday rain likely. Highs 55 to 60. South wind 5 to 10 miles an hour. Chance of rain, 70%. Rainfall amounts around a tenth of an inch. Wednesday night, cloudy with a 50% chance of rain. Lows 45 to 50. Southeast wind 5 to 10 miles an hour. Rainfall amounts around a tenth of an inch. Thursday, rain. Highs 55 to 60. Southeast wind 5 to 15 miles an hour. Chance of rain near 100%. Thursday night, rain in the evening, then a chance of rain after midnight. Lows 45 to 50. Southeast wind 5 to 10 miles an hour. Rain near 100%. Friday, cloudy with a 50% chance of rain.
0: Landline. Hello?
1: Hi, my name is Tracy with Life Insurance
0: Companions. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Are you a real person or are you recording?
1: Do I sound that bad? <laughs> no, I'm a real person. Maybe we had a bad connection. I'm sorry
0: about that. That's okay. I'm oh, actually the reason list- I'm calling is to let you know about You, a new you are recording. Final expense. Fuck you, Tracy. I'll talk to you later.
2: Five. Chance of precipitation near one hundred percent. Sunday. Showers likely. Highs around 55.
0: All right, we get it, we Kansas get it. Precip-
2: to hear recent conditions at the Portland airport, press 1.
1: For the forecast, press 2. For the climate statistics, press 3.
0: No, I'm going to call about Alaska. See so, yeah.
1: press 4. Landline.
0: Where is Sarah Palin in all this? Can you give us an update? Like, does she come up? Does anyone know her? Do, or is she, she 53,000 miles away and nobody knows how big Alaska is? Like... Did she come up in the news? Uh, what's, what's the Sarah Palin report? She
1: definitely, she's definitely not heli skiing, but there was some kind of blowout that would made like our local news. I'm sure the helicopter flew over Wasilla <laughs> and saw her. Snow machine champion, husband like shaking a wrench at her and some local cops.
0: Yeah, he like there was a there was some sort of like their their other son who was in the military like got drunk and beat the shit out of his dad or something
1: like that. Yeah, there yeah there's something crazy like that that I heard about, but I don't know the details. But they're not really skiers. They're not really like uh, coming to Girdwood. You know, this isn't their scene necessarily.
0: But it's 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 a small state. How many people live in Alaska? A million, two million, or ten million? What?
1: Yeah, I don't know exactly, but about a million. And but,
0: and and, do you feel like you're still as far away there now as when you first went there? Like, is the I mean, not to like jam the landline points into that question, but. Has sort of the, you know, are are you on Verizon 4G when you get off the helicopter and your mom's like no. asking her, like asking you whether or not you want like a new pair of high tops for Christmas or like what, what, like what's going on with <laughs> your connectivity? Oh God, I
2: have I've
1: always loved sneakers and hats, mm. love high tops. I actually thought about buying a pair of Allbirds after listening to that that one episode with you and Phoebe. I was like, "Damn, wool and sneakers, I'm in."
0: There you go, nice nice callback. You like that? Yeah, absolutely. A, a, a listener, whether or not you're a fan, is still up in the air, but you are a listener. So, <laughs> so so talk to you.
1: determine how this one goes?
0: Yeah. No. Well, so so talk to me about that. Like. I think Mike, another podcast guest who's on our Patriots podcast, he moved to Chile. Like, he's the only one who moved further away. But, you know, there is some element of, like, kind of getting out of Dodge that you both either consciously or subconsciously enrolled yourselves into. So, so like, do you still feel like you're, you know, escaped from the mainland, so to speak? Or how connected are you?
1: I mean, I'm pretty connected. I do all the shit, you know. I'm like... A- Addicted to Instagram, for sure. Um, I I don't know. I, like, group text with my sister. You know, she just had a baby, and so we text a lot more, just silly videos and all that kind of stuff. But I also am, like, mindful now on how much I've missed in terms of communication with them and try and be really good now. So, I don't know, not with anyone else, you know, for... I, I still love the fact that you just, like, don't ever hang out. Like, when was the last time we actually talked? And we're just rolling, just cruising. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I really appreciate that being in, oh, God, however many miles it is. So, <laughs> Wherever but, people are, but. Do you, you think. Know, did, the travel times are, oh, kill a man.
0: Well, everyone who gets off the plane and gets the mini shuttle down to Girdwood from the Anchorage airport and, like, gets fired up for a long weekend of helicopter skiing and staying at the Hotel Alieska, like, do they end up – like, you know, do you have that sense of sort of being – all the good parts of being on an island and having people, like, arrive after a great long trip and – kind of chill yeah. chill out and get into the get into the spirit of the town and and kind of the local action
1: yeah absolutely i mean there's there's a certain thing that happens like to people's brains when they go and shred in the, some you know what they imagine to be an unnamed just you know insano mountain environment and that fly around in a time machine and drink IPAs and high five and look at GoPro footage of me turning their video on. Yeah, totally. <laughs> is this thing on? Right. I mean, people get stoked out of their minds.
0: And what's that like to be with people on, like, the best day of their life other than their kid being born or whatever? I mean, like, what does that... Do you feel like? The, it's,
1: like, my favorite part of the job Yeah, is, like, providing that for people. Yeah. But it's also... I mean, it'll jade you because... Of course, I'm like, that was the best day of your life, dude. <laughs> that was.
0: And also, you got your own shit going on. Like, maybe you didn't actually, like, have a good poop that morning and you still got to go ski, like, 18,000 feet and, like, you're going to be in a bad mood about it or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say a bad poop gets me in a bad mood, but it doesn't set a nice tone for my day.
0: Uh, and then... And, all right, well, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, you know, that's interesting stuff there. I, I think that there is, there's, there's. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's, it's exhausting, though, too, like, you know, right now, specifically, I just, I'm coming off, like, a really long, hard week of facilitating people's best days and then, uh, basically partying with them. So, I'm kind of, like, working till they're done in, in some ways. They're done celebrating, you know. So it's it's just, there's a price there, for sure.
0: I think that this that that, that same interview is done on NPR about like prostitutes in Ukraine.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, me, there is not a analogy lost on me.
0: So, um...
1: but yeah, so it's just been a long week, right? And then I just went out and. Had another pretty hard day that was actually just more logistically challenging. My day wasn't that long, but it was people that were, like, nice people and super stoked to ski and, like, have skied a lot in their life, but not recently, and the conditions are pretty tough. And, you know, trying it's a lot of high fives, a lot of, like, managing expectations, but also providing a certain level of service, (laughs) you know.
0: Yeah, customer service. It's hard work. And sales, but, in a lot of ways too. I mean, always yeah, be, always be I'm selling. I'm
1: fortunate that I don't deal with a lot of sales. I mean, I, I definitely uh, choose to work with people that have clients or whatever, or like our successful businesses that people just call. Right. There's a certain model of like go get clients and make them come and whatever pay thirty grand for a week of skiing. That I just, uh, not a lot of, not a lot of those conversations I've had with people have been good for, or whatever, make me feel good, or laugh, or whatever.
0: So, the technology in those spaces, in some ways, if I can take my, like, dick hat off for a second here, not my dad dick, but, like, just my, like, jerk dick hat off, um... (laughs) that there is an element for some people that you've got to capture this moment. Like there's, this is, you know, this is like shark cage or whatever. This is like walking across coals. This is, this is, this is on the, this is touching the edge for most people. I mean, for me, it was when I went helicopter skiing with you and, and for you it is in some, in some scenarios. And so you do want to be able to capture that because it is so important. It's like wedding day ask footage. So, I guess I don't judge people for wanting to photograph it and, and, you know, live stream it or whatever they're doing. So in a way, in this world of everybody capturing everything all the time, you're kind of at, like, the most necessary moment for them to capture things. How does that factor in? Are you just, like, completely... I know that you're doing all this stuff. What's that?
1: Uh, it goes back and forth, honestly, depending on a couple things. But I've been taking a lot of a lot of pictures recently, like more than I ever have. Just trying to give them to people, and and all that is is another part of the job that I don't really get paid for. But I see the payback from with like more high end people or or good skiers, rather than like some choppy helmet cam. They they really value like one good still photo of them doing the thing
0: man we got to just tangent here for a second because this is something we i don't need to ask you about we can just go back and forth on although i will start with a question what the fuck do you do once you get home with six and a half hours of gopro footage from a groomer day at Stowe? like what (laughs) what is your what is the next step you load it onto your iMac and then you like tell your wife that, like you're not going to hang out with her the next Saturday either because you're going to go through it all. And then what do you do, edit it and put it up on a YouTube channel that nobody watches? Like what do you do with the f- – what an amateur – do go- why does GoPro sell so many GoPros? I get it for like the 30,000 people on earth that are good at surfing and skiing, but what is everyone else doing with the GoPro?
1: Uh, pretty much wasting their time. I mean that, that's, you know what I you know, and I mean that like not just their skills or whatever, but it's pretty much like a, just a hobby. There's so many people I know that are uh amateur sort of filmmakers or whatever from taking GoPros. Like this guy Eskevas last week had a GoPro it was I guess it was three sixty, not three D but three sixty, so it was somehow shooting in Panorama. It had two cameras and he had it on this like Fairly intense selfie stick that he just rode with all the time whenever it was good, anyway. And it was—I mean, it was cool, but it was just like, "What are you going to do with all that?" He was like, "I don't know. I think it's cool."
0: It is cool.
1: So, you know, I don't know, though. I just mean it's like people just watch themselves.
0: I and I don't even know if they do. I—that's what I—I want to go. It's like I, I don't know if I've made this joke on on landline yet, but there's. There was that show Man versus Food, where that guy would like eat the like eighty ounce steak and like you know the four thousandth chili wing. And I always wanted there to be a show called Man versus Poop, where it was like him, like the first half an hour of the nine o'clock block was him eating, and then the nine thirty show was him just like I don't know, Charlie, I can't do this show anymore. Like my asshole is on fire. Like I cannot I, the- eat, <laughs> eat any more of this shit. So I'm just. I, I want to, like, hey go... Alex. Yeah.
1: What did the left butt cheek say to the right butt cheek? What? If we stick together, we can stop this shit.
0: <laughs> so... So I just want (laughs) to, I want to go home with these people after the, the, like, I want to like be like, okay, no, I'll meet you right at the end of the day in the parking lot. And then like, you know, sit them, sit with them while they get their ski boots off and they put their Merrill slide on boots in and drive back with them in the Subaru to the condo and then just stand there and be like, okay, so when are you going to load the footage in? Like, I'm ready. Like, I want to know. I'm I'm
1: ready to do it again right now.
0: Yeah. Like I want to see what the footage was and Like, there's no way they sit there and do it all, but I wonder if there's. No, but
1: it's you're seriously underestimating what people are doing. I've I watch people routinely ski a run, film it with their GoPro, and then watch it on their iPhone while the helicopter is coming to pick them up to do it again. Yeah. Just let that <laughs> just let that sink in while we're out there. Wow. Just do it.
0: And you know I do want to let it sink in, and for our listeners, and I'll just comment. Uh, quietly on the outside while it's sinking in. Watching a helicopter land and take off up close is really cool. It's cooler. It's like cooler than most yeah. things. So
1: And plenty of that getting filmed. And then being watched in the helicopter as it flies, of course. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> so well, let's, let's ask a, a question that could yield a good story, which is do people ever lose their $1,000 cell phones? In the snow.
1: I actually recovered one out, out of the snow. Damn you. Yesterday. Damn you. And the person that I gave it to could not have been happier.
0: And and then immediately, <laughs> like, watched the footage of them losing it. Was like, oh, there it
1: is. <laughs> I should record me finding it. Ugh. And then just, like, write in hot pink graffiti finger text. You know how people write on shit and all that stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just write tips and (laughs) hand it back to him. Tip me. I work for gratuities.
0: (laughs) So I do think that that's something that is. Oh, you've had a really great talent for forever. It's just like it doesn't. Whereas you know, I've said on this podcast before. Like I always thought that there would be places on Earth where cell phones wouldn't appear. Like I, it's one thing that cell phones exist, and that's one fight that I've given up. But the fact that they're so everywhere is what really is crazy to me like okay let's say 68 percent of the world's population had or the 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 white people in america had iphones then like that would be something but it's like 99 percent right so um you just it doesn't bother you if someone pulls a cell phone out in the middle of like a glacier where you've just landed and are in the middle of nowhere It, it it's kind of like you just you, it just it just isn't in your DNA for it to bother you, right?
1: not really i mean there's there's a certain element of course I mean I've had my passions for wilderness or whatever being like bare bones or and whatnot, but you know it's I've just been watching it get more and more intense over the last ten years, which is like right in that hot spot like when I first started getting on Denali, people had mini disc players. And they were listening to, like, the Big Lebowski over and over and over. And it was, like, the iPod shuffle, and now it's just, like, a full-on iPad mini, all the movies, all the, you know, whatever they want.
0: And does it ever become an issue for you around getting people to pay attention for, like, the safety brief or make sure that they're not going to, like, fuck you In a situation, especially mountain climbing, where, like, they're not listening?
1: I mean, there's there's a certain element of always sort of acting like you're being recorded. That is a bummer. You know what I mean? It's not 100% of the time, but there are, especially in heli-skiing, not so much in mountain climbing, but there's always a camera in someone's fucking head or whatever ski pole.
0: (laughs) God, you can't even, like, get drunk on an airplane and, like cuss out the stewardess anymore without someone filming you and I say that tongue in cheek but it's it's like of course I think all those idiots who are like there was that story last week about some four guys from Manchester, England who got so drunk on the flight to Vegas that the pl- plane had to stop in Ottawa so that they could get escorted off by the mounted police the Canadian mounted police <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, there's an element of, like, I watched. I, cl- I was on NewYorkPost.com, and I k- clicked play. But then at the same time, it's like, isn't the fucking loser the guy who's taping this on his cell phone? Like, big whoop. Yeah, like, definitely. And all of you are taping it together. Couldn't you all just, like, have a little quick conference and be like, okay, who's got the best phone? You film it. Make sure it's a steady shot. Like, make sure your phone is <laughs> it's flipped to the side. So it's like... And then you someone's
1: know, just, like... Send that to me. Right. So you got to turn your, your, your airdrop onto everyone, not just your contacts. Oh, God. <laughs> and yet, I made the video of the drunk guy. He's going to get arrested. I think I went to high school with him.
0: Right. It's like, good job, like 71 hits. So, anyways. All right, well, I'm not going to belabor this too long. I, I realize we both have school tomorrow, so to speak, the proverbial school tomorrow. But, um... Um... Uh, just go How'd ahead. I
1: do? Are we, are we wrapping up? How'd I do? You're doing so five.
0: You're doing amazing. You're like a 4.7. I think I, I need to, I, and I'm going to keep all this in people like the behind the scenes, BTS. Um, I think hey, I, ne- I needed to get better. You know, it's the same thing with max, which is that like you have a certain cadence and I, I, I might've stepped on you a few times and like, listen, it's, it's nerve wracking when you, you know. I really appreciate my friends doing podcasts with me because it's like a weird thing. But you know, people listen to this thing, um, and turns out that if you wanted to hear white people, fi- white men finally get their voice in media, that landline podcast is the place for you. Um, so, no, I thought you I, did. I thought you did great. How did you think you did?
1: I don't know. Seemed fine.
0: What's your What's your... Uh, you know,
1: what's... Go ahead. N- uh, no alcohol day, and then get your text, and, you know, <laughs> I was like, seems like I'd do better with a couple pops, but kombucha, that... I think, carried me through.
0: No, you know what? All the content is always better without alcohol, but it always feels better doing it when you have alcohol. That's what I've learned. Um yeah. Because you're not so, well, you know...
1: as you know, it's mostly about me anyway, so... <laughs>
0: Well, what's your next time? We'll talk about mountain climbing. We'll talk about Denali. We'll talk about climbing season. Are you gonna be? Uh, are you what? Are you gonna be on a, a climb this summer?
1: No, now I'm more of a boss person. I'm more of a manager, and then I'm gonna get, actually go down to Chile to do some heli skiing again.
0: But you have some. Shout, out,
1: you've shout sum- out to Mike O'Donnell.
0: Yeah, we gotta do caller at your boy. Maybe we should do a three way with you and Mike in Chile, you from the W hotel in Santiago with a helicopter pad on top and Mike from his hut in Futaleufu with his redheaded son and his homemade brewery. He's got like a giant brewery now. We gotta podcast with him about that. Um
1: No, I no, I wanna go see his spread. So any and maybe maybe we'll call you. Don't call us, we'll
2: call you. Okay.
0: All right, well, we're going to leave it there, folks. Thank you, Sean, the airborne meteorologist for his maiden voyage. Thank you to our non-sponsors and call the landline 503-894-8480. Remember, great episodes with Jeff, the hedge fund millionaire, thousandaire, Jeff, the hedge fund. I'll do this after. Um great great episodes in the last few weeks actually a ton of momentum on the last 3 episodes listenership is steadily climbing and remember we're trying to beat Rick Steve so with that Sean
1: Oh yeah that reminds me that's been my favorite joke is is uh Steve we're coming for you
0: I just don't like John Lucy, my brother in law, the my the constitutional enigma. Yeah, yeah. he's like he like confronted me the other night in person about Rick Steves and was angry that I'm giving Rick Steves any sort of positive feedback. Like
1: Again, it only works if you answer the phone.
0: He really thinks the political strategy is to completely bash Rick Steves, and I just that's not how I want to play. I mean, this is like a legal mar- marijuana advocate and a uh A global traveler who's like, you know, trying to reunite the Palestine Israeli factions through PBS television. I feel like we need to give him his due. So,
1: well, look, you know, it's just all about followers. So, this show (laughs) can be fine, but yours has to be better.
0: All right. Well, thank you to Sean. Say hi to Caitlin. Ski good powder. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next time on Landline.
1: All right. Sounds good, man. See you next Tuesday. Bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. We're taking this show to the top, baby.
2: You're listening to Landline. Let's take a quick
0: break to talk food. As you know, I feel like each meal is an incredible conduit for sustainable environmental and social change. So how do you landline your dinner table? Well, here are two recipes for you from the last two nights. One very seasonal, local, and probably part of the Whole30 diet that's all the rage and another one that's just kind of a quick hit on an old favorite. So last night I took cabbage, onions, leeks, garlic. I rustically chopped all of them, put them into a deep-bottomed oven-proof pan with a top. So you're talking cast iron or Dutch oven or Le crusade depending on where you registered for your wedding. And put it all in that pot with a little bit of chicken stock, I'd say a cup, a quarter cup of soy sauce, a half a cup of rice wine vinegar, chili flakes, salt, pepper. Um, And then put that into the oven with some smoked sausage, So we're almost looking like an Asian-French thing here. Put it into the oven, roasted it at 375 for about half an hour, brought it all out. Because there was a top on that pot, all the vegetables are braised, the sausage is uh, lovely roasted. They were whole sausages, which I then sliced. But for the last 10 minutes, I put in a bunch of cilantro, parsley, and some... Um, bok choy, put the top back on, spun it all together with a spoon, put the top back on and let it steam to completion. Ended up being basically like this sausage stew with, um, braised vegetables and no grains. It was delicious. That was all shopped for at the farmer's market, except for the chicken stock, the soy sauce and the rice wine vinegar. So that was a pretty good early April meal. Number dose, we've got a spaghetti with meatballs, but what I did is I made some chimichurri sauce, which was cilantro and parsley and garlic and white vinegar and salt and zipped it in the Cuisinart. Made the homemade meatballs with, of course, locally raised pastured beef, an egg, onions, parsley, Salt, pepper, mustard powder, nothing too fancy. No breadcrumbs just because I didn't want to deal with them. So cook the meatballs in a skillet until rare um, with nice fond on either side. Poured some pre-made tomatoes in there and then cooked it all together, made some pasta. But then when I put the dish together, I dressed the pasta with the sauce, plopped that on a big plate. But then put in the center of that big red mess with meatballs this concentric circle of chimichurri, and then did a dusting of hand shaved Parmesan Reggiano cheese. So, it was sort of a green and red, and the acidity and brightness of the chimichurri I thought was a nice counterpoint to the traditional red of the tomato sauce. Back to Landline
1: Landline.
0: 5038948480. So, um before I let you go though, um any sort of like landline like inside show commentary that you want to leave us with like do you want to like disprove anyone's any other guest's theories or talk about how you you've really you've you wanted more structure. You've been good about asking for structure. Do you feel like it's getting more structured?
1: I think it's getting there. I still just say make it shorter.
0: Too long, huh?
1: I don't know. I mean, that's no, okay. It's, I think I, mean, I like I like the reoccurring segments. I think that's that's good. I like the like non Patriots. Not to say that I don't like listening to you guys talk about the Patriots, but I think the uh,
0: everyone hates that show. Even Mike right. and Chris. That's why they're not. They they refuse to do it with me anymore. Anyway, so we're, we're <laughs> at, we're I of, wonder why we're out of the woods on that.
1: Yeah, because like, heartbroken bastards.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: But uh, no, man. I mean, it's definitely better. All right, it's better. But you're calling me, so it's obviously not going that well.
0: No, it's going great. I've wanted to have, <laughs> have you for months. I mean, we we didn't even talk about like, be, you know, t- being trust us kids. That was a segment we we're gonna do. It's always oh yeah. Listen, there's there's plenty to podcast about. I, I thought this was a good establishment of of the uh, airborne meteorologist. So if you if you What's your, What's your? can you give us a forecast? Can we leave with a forecast? I mean, I feel like all weather comes in from the Pacific Oth- Ocean, funnels down from Alaska, down through the Pacific Northwest and the Bay Area, and then across the nation before it exits in Bangor, Maine. So, like, can you, do you have any, what I, what's the system I'm, for this what summer? What
1: I would say is for all the, uh, the, the mountain riders out there, the, the skiers and the snowboarders, and the people watching the snow, don't even worry about... Anything else except for whether or not the snow is falling outside your window, you mm. should probably start surfing, yeah, it's supposed to snow in Goethe this weekend, and uh I don't know
0: La Nina el nino are we which one are those are we doing?
1: Uh, I mean, I used to be a big, big El Nino guy back when it was colder. Because that would just mean more snow. But now La Nina, that frosty bee, is uh, she's kind of stealing my heart because she's been bringing less wind and colder temps.
0: And, um, but
1: hey, you know.
0: What about the bomb cyclone? Do you feel like more of those are in our future in 2019 or oh, sure. 20?
1: I'm going to, if they stop letting me heli ski, I'm going to definitely become a storm chaser.
0: Yes. Twister, still one of the most underrated movies of all time.
1: Oh God.
0: Helen not Hunt. Not to
1: mention not to mention just Helen Hunt. What a babe.
0: Total babe.